0: God bless you, and welcome back to Yesterday Ended. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thanks for joining me today. Waving a white flag before an enemy has existed since the first century AD, both in Italy and in China. And amazingly, each culture adopted the white flag without the influence from the other. Waving a white flag has become a symbol of we want to talk and or we surrender. The dictionary defines surrender as ceasing resistance to an enemy or opponent, and submitting to their authority, abandoning oneself entirely to a powerful emotion or influence, and to give in to. Fortunately, God is not our enemy, but the need for us to surrender to him, abandon ourselves entirely to him, is huge. In today's episode, we will explore the subject of surrender, and what it accomplishes in our relationship with God. Give a listen. There are a few versions of the Bible that use the word surrender in the Old Testament. It is usually in the context of surrendering to an enemy. In a couple of versions of the New Testament, the word surrender is used in 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, I surrender my body to be burned. The King James says, I give my body. Surrender is an uncommon word for most people. It is uncommon because surrender is a challenging idea in our hearts and minds. Surrender usually brings up images of defeat to an enemy. But why we surrender and to whom we surrender are the questions that we need to answer today. The title of my poem today is simply, Surrender. On my knees I no longer set the pace, turning from me I seek your face. I lift up my hands and release my desires, let my passion be your holy fire. The fears of my heart I lay aside, give me the strength in you to abide. To be desperate, to long, to obsess over you, help me refuse the lies and seek what is true. My life I lay down in what I have made, no longer my own. I seek your aid. It is often depicted in books and movies that when someone surrenders, they kneel down before their captors. I'll be getting into this image of kneeling a bit later, but it is a common visual of surrender. Surrender. So let's break down my poem today. When we surrender to God, we don't set the pace anymore, and we should turn from our will to seek the face of our new master, who fortunately is our Abba. We're not our own masters anymore. Therefore, I lift up my hands and release my desires. It's not about my will, it's about his will. My new prayer is that My passion comes into alignment with his holiness. I surrender what I have been doing to change to do his will. The fears of my heart I lay aside. Give me the strength in you to abide. This deals with what we want and are afraid of missing out on if we surrender to God. But I lay those aside. It's not about me. And I ask for strength to abide in his will, knowing it is benevolent. And then comes the very difficult challenge of full surrender. To be desperate, to long, to obsess over you, the one that I have surrendered to. Can I fall in love with God? Can I be addicted to God? And then I ask for help to refuse the lies of the world that says I'm an idiot for surrendering to God. I ask for his help to seek what is true. And then the final verse states, My life I lay down in what I have made, no longer my own, I seek your aid. I lay down myself and my reputation and my resources, and I turn to God to whom I have surrendered. This definitely does not depict a self-made person. Quite the opposite. This is about being totally dependent upon God. A while back, I was praying in my living room one morning when the Lord requested I kneel down before him. So I got down on my knees, and then he asked me to bow down with my face on the floor. I will admit this is not a posture I assume very often. So that morning I felt very awkward. Kneeling with my face in the carpet made me feel very vulnerable. I imagined someone standing over me and realized that that in that position, I was completely at the mercy of the person standing over me. At this point, I recognized that to be in deep worship to the Lord is to surrender to him. When you look at the literal meaning of the word worship in the Old Testament, it means to bow down before. When you worship the Lord, you are bowing down to him and submitting to him. Surrendering or submitting to the Lord has always been man's biggest problem. Another word that fits in with this subject would be obedience, not our favorite word. When I obey someone else, I'm submitting myself to them or surrendering my will to them. We have a great example of what complete surrender is in the life of Jesus Christ our Lord. At the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus knows his time is near, and he prays to the Father and finishes saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In the garden, Jesus prayed not once, not twice, but three times for the cup of the crucifixion to pass from him. But he knew that was the reason he came for us. He came to do the will of the Father. In John 4:34, Jesus says, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. The work he came to finish was our salvation, to be the Lamb of God. He recognized that there was only one way to pay the price needed for our salvation, his suffering and crucifixion and death. In Philippians 2, eight it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is total surrender. He gave himself completely over to the will of the Father. Now he did have certain promises that gave him confidence. He knew of Psalm 16 verse 10 that says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou... Suffer thine holy one to see corruption. He knew the pain and suffering that he was about to endure. It's spoken of in Isaiah 52 and 53, amongst other places. But he also had this assurance that God was going to raise him from the dead. In the end, Jesus finally got his mind to the point where it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. A joy was set before him from the Father, the realization that he was about to redeem all of humanity and to reconcile us all back into the presence of the Father. That is quite a work to be joyful about. At this point, we see Jesus as a servant, being obedient to the point of death. In Exodus 21 is the law of servitude. A person could be an indentured servant for up to six years and then be released in the seventh. But if for various reasons he chooses to stay with his master, usually the first being he loved him, His master would then take him to the city gate, and before the elders, he would pierce the servant's ear and attach a signet-stamped earring to show his ownership. That servant was then to serve that master forever. But, in exchange, the master must care for that servant forever also. This servant was known as a bondservant or bondslave. There are those that serve out of duty, and then there are those that serve out of love. So my first question of the day is to ask you, are you willing to surrender to God in complete service to him for the rest of your life? Surrender or worship are closely connected to service. Jesus showed that in his life. Now are we willing to walk in his steps and do the same? Can we trust God with our lives? Will he take care of us if we surrender to his will? God's will for Israel was stated very clearly in the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 17, it says, But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. As you read through the Old Testament, you will notice that worshiping other gods and serving them are stated together quite often. Also notice the process that is shown in this verse. Your heart turns away so that you will not hear the voice of God anymore. You must be listening to someone else then. Something or somebody is acting on you. Someone is pulling you from God to worship other gods and serve them. We need to recognize the state of our heart and be on guard not to be drawn away to other things. Consider the first commandment, stated in Exodus 20, verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And verse 5 says, Thou shalt not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. In the morning when I'm praising the Lord, I praise him for his mercy, I praise him for his grace, I praise him for his patience, I praise him for his love. All these elements are the the good stuff that I like to think about. But how about thinking of God as a jealous God? It's something of a scary image until you break down what jealousy is and how it relates to us. Jealousy is the desire to protect that which is ours from being taken from us. We belong to God, and he is jealous over us. He loves us, and he wants us to love him without anything between us. If we turn to other things to worship them, he becomes jealous because we have turned away from him. We are his children. His motivation is his love towards us. He wants us to walk with him in a loving relationship. In this generation, we are surrounded by so many things that endeavor to take our attention, our love, and trust away from our true love, our Heavenly Father. There has always been something around to pull God's people away from him. In Deuteronomy 4.19, God warns, "...unless thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven..." And when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven, shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. So, where do we lift our eyes to these days? What is before us that can drive us away to cause us to worship them and serve them? Could it be the car you're driving? Or the job you're driving to? Be it person, place, or thing, it should not come between us and the Father. In Deuteronomy 11.16, we're given this further admonition. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Most Christians do not set out to become idolaters of other gods. We are typically deceived or enticed by something that catches our attention and we slowly turn away from our Abba and lose our relationship with him. Consider Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This has become one of my favorite verses because it so simply and quickly defines what our lives should be about. One thing have I desired of the Lord. What or who is your desire? And what or who are you seeking? And where and with whom are you living? And what are you looking at? What do you recognize as beauty? And where do you get your advice from? Consider This rewording of Psalm 27.4. One thing have I desired of the world, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the world all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the world and to inquire within it. This puts things rather bluntly. We don't like to admit at times we are carnal or worldly. But truth be told, we get there sometimes very easily. I hate it in Hebrews twelve one where it says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Are we willing to surrender the sins that we enjoy? Of course, none of us enjoy sinning. God forbid. But let's be honest. There are times where we purposely turn away, be it in fear, which is sin, or through indulgence of some sort. God implores us to purposely turn towards him. Learning to surrender completely to God needs to become our passion, to have a heart to obsess over him, not being religious, but simply being madly in love with him. Remember, one of the dictionary definitions is to be entirely abandoned to an emotion or something. Can we abandon ourselves to God? Can we totally trust in Him and love Him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength? Will you surrender today? A simple indicator of our surrender to our Heavenly Father is where do we spend our time? Are we in heavenly pursuits or worldly pursuits? There are many time priorities that are not heart priorities. We can work long hours for a job, but that's not our heart priority. So then, what are your motivations? What are your priorities? My suggestion this week for homework is to meditate on Psalm 27, verse 4. Memorize it if you haven't. It's a good checkup from the neck up to gauge your thoughts and actions. Today's episode is not about condemning us for not being surrendered, but to challenge us to a deeper relationship with our Father. His arms are open wide, waiting for your embrace.